This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. This morning, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Lou. Well, we are beginning uh, today just a, a two-week mini-series, and we're going to be talking about gratitude. And it is a season of gratitude, and as we are approaching Thanksgiving and Advent, we want to prepare our hearts for heartfelt worship. We want to be able to express our thanks and our gratitude uh, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for all that he has done in our lives. And so I think it's appropriate that we spend a couple of weeks just talking about the, the topics of gratitude and, and thanksgiving. You know, as we continue down that vitality pathway together as a congregation, of learning what it means to be a healthy and missional church. Um, healthy meaning pursuing Christ. Missional meaning pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. We are reminded that as a healthy missional church, there are ten markers, there are ten characteristics of a healthy missional church. And one of those is heartfelt worship. Heartfelt worship. And this morning, as we look at this story... Uh, from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 there through 19. We really see a story of heartfelt worship, but heartfelt worship that has as its foundation gratitude. And my prayer and my desire for us as we come to Thanksgiving and to uh, Advent is that we would be expressive of our heartfelt worship. But that heartfelt worship would be expressing our gratitude to the Lord for all uh, that he's done. You know, as I think about my life uh, in the past, and I think about my life moving forward, I'm certain of this, that I will never regret having been grateful. How about you? I'll never regret having been grateful. I want to be a person whose life, whose words, 
whose deeds reflect the gratitude that I have uh, to God for all that he's done, for all that he is doing, and I believe for all that he's going to do in my life. Don't you want to be grateful people? I know that you do. I know that you do. You know, as I look back uh, over my life, I can see God's hand uh, from the very beginning. Now, you know, I've shared some things about my past with you, about my life. You know, I grew up and had a, had a challenging childhood, and my teenage years were, were pretty tough. Uh, you know, as a very small child, my dad went to prison. Uh, and then I was raised by a single mom. And back in my day, uh, there weren't a lot of people being raised by single parents. Uh, there were mostly moms and dads, at least in the community that I lived in. And so I was, uh, just by the fact of being raised by a single parent, I was a bit of an outsider. I mean, I can relate uh, to uh, the lepers in our story. Uh, back in the 60s, being raised in a community and by a single parent with a dad in prison, you were kind of a, you felt like you were on the outside looking in. Let's, I'll just be honest with you. And uh, didn't feel like I fit. Um, things were awkward for me growing up. And yet I had a mom that uh, did the very best she could to care for me. She sacrificed for me. Uh, and I am so grateful. In fact, one of the things that that I do regret is, you know, my mom died towards the end of, of my teenage years. And uh, I regret that I didn't grow up and was mature enough to really recognize all that she did for me. So I do regret that I couldn't express my gratitude to her in the way, of course, I could now. All right? And so I want to pause right now and, and do this. I'm going to express my gratitude to her in a different way. Um, I don't know how many of you out here may be single parents. Um, but if you're a single parent, I want to recognize you today. I, I believe there's no tougher job than raising children in today's culture. And uh, to raise children with a mom and a dad is a challenge. But to raise children on your own as a single parent, uh, that is daunting, okay? And uh, if you're a single parent, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your sacrifice. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for all the things that you do above and beyond. Okay? Uh, and it's my way of expressing gratitude for my single parent by just expressing gratitude to you. And to let you know, sometimes as a single parent, your kids, right, they don't thank you and let you know how much they appreciate you, but there will come a day when they remember and hopefully... Um, they'll be able to thank you for all the things that you do. So, I know that's a little um, sidebar, but I feel it's necessary. Just thank you, single parents. Because I am a product of a single parent household uh, of a woman who loved me and cared for me. So, yeah, I can relate to being an outsider. I can relate to kind of looking from the outside in and, and, and looking at everybody else and maybe wanting to be like them or wanting my life to be different than the way it was, especially in those early years. So this particular story really, really resonates with me. Um, and as a teenager, when I heard the gospel, it was like these ten lepers. When I saw Jesus from a distance, man, I knew that he had what I needed for my life. And I knew he had the ability to touch me, to transform me. 
uh, and I knew that Jesus Christ offered to all people, just not the insiders, but to the outsiders as well, new life and hope and healing and wholeness. And I responded to the gospel. I was like one of these ten lepers saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on me. Have mercy on me. I knew that I needed what Jesus had to offer me. And I am so grateful that that in my life I can look back and see God's providence, His divine care. And I know that you can too. People and circumstances in your life where you can clearly look back and see God was at work. And He did that for me. And I am so grateful So that when I worship Him, I I worship Him from a place of not only what He has done, but what He's doing right now. And what I know He's going to do in the future. Because God's faithful. Even when I'm faithless, God is still faithful. And so I am so grateful for all that God has done. And the good news today and the good news that we see in our story, because we have nine of the lepers who are Jewish and one who is a Samaritan, we have the insiders and we have the one outsider, but you know what the good news is? That Jesus invites those from the outside in, right? And those on the inside to a new understanding of what it really means to have a relationship with God. And so I don't know where you are today, whether you consider yourself an insider or you're listening to me and you're saying, man, I can identify with what you're saying. I feel like an outsider. I want to share with you that today's message is for all of us. Because Jesus is for all of us. And that wherever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever it is that you are facing today, God is more than adequate to meet you in that place of deepest need. I want you to believe that because it's true. And our scripture today testifies to that reality. And I know that many of you could stand up in your lives testify to that too. And that's good news. Aren't you glad you woke up and came here today? That you guess that you could hear that good news. Alright, so Jesus is traveling on the northern border between Galilee and Samaria. He's on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover. And it's there that he's going to sacrifice his life. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. And that three days following, he'll be raised from the dead. The resurrection that we might join in that reality of new life that has resurrection power. And so, Jesus is on his way to fulfill His mission on the cross, to die for you and for me. But He's traveling along this border between Galilee and Samaria. And while He's doing that, He comes to a village. We don't know what the name of the village is. The Scripture doesn't tell us. And in that village, as He approaches it, He hears the cries of ten men. The lepers. Now, The word leprosy in Jesus' day could have, uh, it it meant that somebody had a skin disease. There are many different kinds of skin diseases. 
But it meant that someone was afflicted with a very serious disease of the skin, a skin disease. And because they had this affliction, they were lepers, they were considered unclean. And so they were social outcasts. They weren't allowed to mingle with people in the mainstream. They had to keep their distance. Often they lived in a colony, separated from other people, a community. And in this group, there were ten, nine who were Jews, and one who was a Samaritan. Now, normally, Jews and Samaritans wouldn't intermingle. Uh, there was animosity. Jews looked down on Samaritans. In fact, they were considered foreigners, just like a, a Gentile would be. And there's a long history to that. You see, Samaria was once a part of what was known as the Northern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom was formed uh, after Solomon's death. And you had the Northern and Southern Kingdoms of Israel. And the Assyrians came and ultimately conquered the, Nor- uh, the, the Northern Kingdom and took ten of the twelve tribes of Israel into captivity back to Assyria, which would be today uh, northern Iraq. Okay? But they also left some there. And they transported Assyrians into that region and there was racial uh, intermixing. And so the Jews considered the Sumerians racially mixed. Uh, They were of mixed blood. Uh, And they looked down upon them. They also looked at their practice, their religious practice, as not being in accordance to true uh, Judaism. And so for that reason, there was this animosity and there is this stature that Jews had towards Samaritans. That they looked down upon them, they wanted to be separated from them. But because these ten men all shared in the same affliction, which is leprosy, you see the nine Jews were the one Samaritan. What kind of disease is the great equalizer here, isn't it? And so they're separated... They're outside the village, and as Jesus approaches the village, he hears these words, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us, some translations say. They had to keep their distance. They had to yell it from afar. And Jesus hears and responds. Now, Jesus doesn't go to them. Jesus doesn't reach out physically and touch them but this is what he says he says go to the priests and you will be healed you will be made clean now in according to Jewish law and practice when a person was healed from a physical affliction that would have deemed them unclean that would have made them a social outcast once they were healed they would go to the priest And the priest would examine them and declare them now clean. And able not only to join in society, but to have participation in the religious ceremonies and rituals of the day. And so it's interesting here that Jesus tells them to go to the priests so the priest can declare them clean before they're actually healed. And so there's a a faith requirement here that we see. They begin to go to the priest, all ten of them do, before they're actually healed, but on their way to the priest, what happens? Their healing takes place. They're, they're cleansed. And nine of them continue on. 
to the priest. But one of them never makes it there. He turns when he recognizes that he's clean, and he runs back to Jesus. Now, it's interesting here that the nine who are the Jews, the nine who are the insiders, the nine whose first impulse should have been that of gratitude, they are so caught up in the answer to their prayer, the, the, the answer to their need, that, man, they just, they, they're just caught up and they're going to the priest so they can be declared clean. Right? They're the ones that you would expect to stop. They're the ones that you would expect to say, wait a minute, man, this is huge, look what's happened. They're the ones that you would expect to express gratitude. They were the insiders. But it's the outsider, the Samaritan, the foreigner, as Jesus would call him, that stops and races back to Jesus and and throws himself at Jesus' feet and worships him and gives him thanks. And you know, isn't that the same today? Oftentimes, it's those of us who are Christians, those of us who are insiders, those of us who have access to to, uh, religious ritual and ceremony and custom, things of faith, those of us who are walking with Jesus, part of the body of Christ, often we're the ones who cry the loudest when we have a need. We cry out to God for Him to meet that need. But then often, we're the quietest once that need's been met. You found that to be the truth? That sometimes we're better asking than we are thanking. And it ought not be that way. Of all people, we should be the ones to express the most gratitude. And so it was with these nine Jewish lepers. They were the ones who should have expressed the most gratitude. And yet, it was the outsider, the one that you wouldn't expect. And and that's often the case, isn't it? It's the person outside the church. It's the person who hasn't come to a place to take for granted the blessing of God in their life, their relationship with Christ. They don't take that for granted. And when they come to faith, when they recognize that God wants to work in their life, God wants to touch them, God wants to heal them, God wants to give them hope, God wants to make them whole, they are the most grateful. And my prayer for you and me is that we never lose that attitude of gratitude, that it is as fresh as the first day we come to faith in Christ, as it is 20, 30, 40 years later, that we would always have gratitude and express that in heartfelt worship to our Lord who has touched us and who makes us whole. It's really interesting. It says that the ten of them cried out loudly, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. He does. They act in faith and they go to the priest and on the way they're healed. But the one that comes back, the scripture says, came back praising God loudly. And so what we see here is a picture of a man whose cry in prayer, whose cry in out to God, 
to have his need met is loud. But his praise and his gratitude is equally as loud. And I want to be the kind of person whose thanksgiving, whose heartfelt worship is as loud as my cry for help. How about you? And we see that modeled by the Samaritan leper. Well, Jesus takes notice of him and takes notice of his worship. And he tells him to rise and go. And he says these words. He says, your faith has made you what? Well. Your faith has made you well. Now, an alternate translation or, or way of reading the original language is, your faith has saved you. And so we see nine men who go, having been touched by the Lord, who have moved in faith to the high priest before they're healed. On the way there, they recognize that they've been cleansed and healed. They continue on their way. But we see the one who recognizes Jesus did something and is someone worthy of his thanksgiving and praise and worship. So, there is not only a faith, but there is faith and gratitude. And that gratitude is an expression of his realization of, of, of who Jesus is. Do you see that? And, and a really cool thing about this passage for outsiders is this. Remember I said Jesus is on his way to the cross? Where he's going to die? Well, guess who he's going to die for? Not just the insiders. He's going to die for the outsiders too. And the Samaritan is representative of that. So what Jesus has to offer, he offers to all who by faith, right, receive the grace of God in their life. And so we see in this story a picture of of the work of salvation of our Savior Jesus Christ. That He would die for all who would come to Him, who by grace through faith would be cleansed from the greatest disease of all. You know what that is? That's sin. That's sin. Our sinfulness. It is a disease that that makes us unclean. It, It is a disease that, because of it, separated us from God. There's this great distance. And yet, what does God do? He pursues us. And in His mercy and in His love, He hears our cry and He responds by sending His Son to die for us. Man, that's great news, isn't it? That we're no longer spiritual lepers. That we have access. That we are in relationship. We're the one who loves us, the one who heals us, the one who cleanses us from sin and makes us whole. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this story really pictures that for us. Now, nine had faith, one had faith and gratitude. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that has faith and gratitude. Okay? And as we are approaching... Thanksgiving, as we're approaching Advent, I want to approach with a heart that's prepared for heartfelt worship. A heart that is full of thanksgiving. 
for who God is and, and what He's done in my life. But there are things that happen in our lives daily that, that really threaten our ability to get thanks. They, they threaten that, that gratitude. They, they want to extinguish grateful hearts. It's kind of like an asbestos blanket that wants to put out the fire of gratitude in our heart. Three things. I want to talk about them briefly. And each of those three things threatens our ability to give thanks. It really impacts our, our attitude of gratitude. But with these three things, there is a scriptural antidote for them. Something that you can take with you and you can apply that, that will allow you to maintain an attitude of gratitude. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one is complaint. You know, we live in a culture of complaint. We can find ourselves very easily looking at our circumstances in life and complaining about them. And so rather than being thankful for what God has done, we complain about maybe what He hasn't done or what is happening to us that we don't want to have happen. Or we complain about the situation we find ourselves in. Or we complain about those around us. And so we really get into a, 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 just this culture of complaint. And when that begins to happen, we need to check our hearts, okay? We need to do that. Because complaint threatens gratitude. It really truly does. When you get entrenched in complaint, it's almost impossible to express gratitude. And so there's a passage... And this will be helpful when you're tempted to complain. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Are you ready? This is great stuff. You know what? 30 years in pastoral ministry. I cannot even remember the amount of times that people have come to me and said, Pastor, I just want to know God's will for my life. Can you tell me God's will for my life? Well, today I can tell you God's will for your life. I can tell you with certainty. I can tell you with the authority of God's Word. Here it is. Are you ready? And this really is an antidote for complaint. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Let's say it together. Are you ready? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, I'm telling you, if I am constantly looking to rejoice, I'm, I'm looking for reasons to have joy in my heart because of God's presence and His work in my life and the lives of those around me. If I'm in that place, if I'm, if I'm really in an attitude of prayer, just, just daily conversation, ongoing conversation with God, praying without ceasing, if I'm giving thanks... That no matter what's going on in my life, God is present. That in everything I can thank Him. Because I know He's at work, even when I can't see Him. Even when He's from a distance, He's out there. Right? I know He's there. When I'm doing those things, I'm telling you, it's hard to complain, isn't it? That's the antidote for complaint. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything. Because God's in everything with us. He's there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's the same yesterday, today, and always. And man, that's blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. And He's yours. He's ours. I'll tell you what. It's hard to complain 
when you're focused on those things. Number two, are you ready? If my complaint continues, it gives way to comparison. I complain, then I compare. And really what comparison is, I begin to look at others and say, look at Lou. How come his life is easier than mine? Uh, how come he hasn't had to have shoulder surgery like me? Well, he'll tell you he's had heart surgery, but that's a whole different story, right? But you see what happens? We begin to look at other people and we want to compare ourselves to them. And oftentimes, when I begin to compare, I'm not saying it, but you know what the implication is? God, I'm not satisfied with what you've given me with my station in life, with who I am. Now, there's a good comparison where I want to live up to. I want to look to people as role models. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about comparison that really is envy. Right? And God doesn't want us to be in that place. And when I'm envious of other people, how can I give thanks and have gratitude for what God's doing in my life? Do you see that? So here is the antidote. Are you ready? Because we believe in the centrality of the Word of God. That's another marker of a healthy missional church. Here it comes. Philippians 4.8 Oh, this is good stuff. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about such things. Now, You know what one commentator says? That it's God who is true. It's God who is noble. It's God who is right. It's God who is pure. It's God who is lovely. It's God who is admirable. That He's excellent, and He is the one who is worthy of praise. And so the implication is that when I'm tempted to compare myself to other people and envy what they have that I don't, Why not shift my focus and change my mind and focus on the one who is sufficient to meet all my needs? That's the contemplation of God Himself. And when you're doing that, it really breaks that temptation to want to compare in the sense of having envy of what others have that you don't. Okay? Those are two good things, aren't they? Are you ready for the third? This is the last one. I begin to complain, and I begin to compare. Both those things, man, they make it hard to have gratitude and thanksgiving. But if I complain and compare, you know what the third thing that happens is? I begin to have a critical spirit, and I start to criticize everybody and everything. I know you can't relate to that. Right? Look at what James says. James chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. James says, All kinds of animals... Birds, reptiles, and creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So the first thing I want to do is when I start to complain, I want to check my heart. When I start to compare, I want to change my mind. And when I start to criticize, I want to control my tongue. Okay? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want my heart 
to be full of gratitude. So the words I speak are words of thanksgiving and gratitude. I don't want to give over to a critical spirit. In fact, I want to do, here's the antidote, you ready? Ephesians 4.29. Oh, this is a great verse. I come back to it over and over again because I need this verse. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Did Jesus build people up according to their needs? You bet, didn't he? That it may benefit those who listen. Another translation says that it may give grace to those who listen. And so if we are going to be people that not only live in faith, but also have faith and gratitude, like the Samaritan did in our passage, we need to guard our hearts against complaint, against comparison, against unwholesome critical talk and a critical spirit. And we need to take the Word of God, whether it be First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, whether it be uh, Philippians 4, verse 8, or whether it be Ephesians 4, 29, we need to go to the Word of God and we need to protect and guard our gratitude with the Word of God. And we need to let it go deep into our heart so that our attitude, our actions, and our speech reflects the thanksgiving and the gratitude of heartfelt worship. This is God's will. Paul writes to Thessalonians, for us in Christ Jesus. This morning, I want to invite you to do a gratitude reset. Wherever you need to do, and I think I've spoken to all of us at some place this morning, myself in all three, I ask and I pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit that you would yield to that Spirit and you'd ask the Lord to reset your gratitude. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I thank you so much that Scripture is full of examples of the lives of men and women who have come to you, Father, not only expressing their need, but expressing their thanksgiving equally as loud. Father, our desire is to be not only people of faith, but to be people of gratitude. Would you help us today, Father, in whatever area we're struggling with? Perhaps it's in all three areas that I mentioned today. I know that's true with myself. Um, Father, this message is for me as much as for anybody. Lord, would you help us in those areas to reset our gratitude, that we might enter into a season of gratitude with hearts that are filled with thanksgiving and ready to engage in heartfelt worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.